welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of the hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm Charles Sheeland, your other amazing host. And I'm so excited because we get to start the next Maze Runner book today, The Scorch Trials. And as we remind you every week, we're a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network, and we're reading and rereading young adult books and sharing them with each other. Yep, as best friends, we share books with each other, one that one of us has read before and the other hasn't. So basically, you get to hear the perspective of one person who's reading for the first time and one person who is rereading. And in this case... That's Asia. Asia's read the first two books of the Maze Runner series before, so she's rereading right now. Yeah, and since Charles is the newbie, he's going to be providing us with a quick plot summary of the reading so far. Thomas and the Gladers wake up in this strange dorm area without Teresa, but with a guy from the other group called Eris. And they're informed that this is all part of the trials that Wicked is putting them through. They're basically being tested to see who is worthy and capable enough to get a cure for the flare. And they're about and then they're told about what the next trial is going to be. It involves basically going into the scorch and going 100 miles north and then they'll get the cure to the flare. And they start some of this trial and we basically finish the reading with them joining forces with Jorge and Brenda and there are only 11 gladers left from the original group which does include Newt, Minho and Thomas. Also, they ran into re- to Teresa while they were on their way there, but it seems like she's now being controlled by Wicked. And my impression so far of this book is that I'm enjoying it. It's really intense. It's kind of violent, but I am enjoying it, and I think the story is compelling. I don't think it's the kind of thing I would ever be want to read again, just because it's like not really of interest to me. But it's not because the book isn't bad. It's not because the book is bad. It's just, like, not my kind of story. Asia's giving me a weird look now. But, like, I'm really enjoying it, but it's it's not the kind of story I really need to hear twice. Oh, I wasn't giving you that look. I was looking at Claudia behind you licking the plant. That's what I was laughing at. But, yes. For context, Claudia is my cat. Yes, Claudia is a cat, not a person. <laughs> anyway, back to the book. <laughs> For my impressions, yes, it's definitely... It's definitely been very intense, but I'm finding this series to be really, really exciting. And I honestly feel like it's probably the most exciting thing to me that we've read so far on the podcast. Just because, I mean, personal preference, I've obviously, I've normally pretty much preferred the books that I've suggested a little bit more. And out of those books, The Hunger Games is obviously, like I said, one of the best books, best in this genre. So we both suggested The Hunger Games. Like, we both wanted to talk about it. And we both yes, read and it. Yes, and we both had read The Hunger Games before. So, like, we can, we've both agreed that, like, The Hunger Games is probably the best series we've covered on, or not not in the whole podcast, but in our dystopian unit that we've been doing. It's the best, the, the best of those. One. And obviously, this, these dystopian novels are, like, very exciting, very intense. There is violence, but... Just in different levels, but I think for this one, while I'm finding it a little bit more exciting than that, is because The Hunger Games, I know that story inside and out. I haven't read the series multiple times, but I've seen the movies a lot, so I just, I know the story really, really well. So when we reread them, it wasn't nearly as exciting because I knew exactly what was going to happen, whereas for these books, even though I did say I read the first two books, I'm really not remembering much at all, so I don't really know what's going to happen next, so... And just like with anyone, I'm sure that feeling of reading something for the first time can't be replicated. So I think that's why I'm just really enjoying these. And I'm really looking forward to eventually getting to the third book, the one that I've never read before. But yeah, I think that's just how I feel so far about the books. And I just feel like I have no idea what's going to happen. And I feel like we're just building up to like a big reveal at the end that I'm very excited to get to. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm absolutely excited to keep reading. I don't want you to. I don't want it to sound like I'm not enjoying it, because I totally am. It's just that, like, of the style of books, like this isn't something I would necessarily choose. But 
Also, something I would say I think I'm also finding it very exciting, which I talked about this a little bit with Charles before we recorded, about how since I've never seen the Maze Runner movies, I'm getting to have that really immediate of like I'm imagining what the characters look like and I'm imagining the world, whereas with a lot of the other books we've covered from the ones that I've suggested, I've seen the movies or I've seen like whatever it's been turned into, I've seen like that film adaptation. So you kind of, and for me at least, when I see a movie, if I reread a book, series of books, I kind of start to see the characters as the actors or even maybe not like that, but just the environment. I start to picture it since I've at least seen a version of it. It's a lot harder for me, I feel like, to just come up with something on my own once I've already seen something that's been like suggested into my mind. So for this, since I haven't seen the movies at all, like... I don't know. It's just like I'm really looking forward to seeing the movies to see like how they created this and took this and made it into something real. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I I definitely can't wait to watch the movies that we do have basically to watch everything for this podcast. We've been so bad about keeping up with watching the visual content. But anyway, let's go ahead and dive into the book. So I will start with the boys are absolutely traumatized by the maze. They are talking about what happened. They're thinking about it. We obviously get Thomas's thoughts. And I just want to say that it is brought up consistently that Thomas is working through the memories and the horrors of the maze, and specifically the memory of Chuck being killed. And I just think that's really good writing because it's believable. Like, they think that they're safe, which I personally think is stupid of them to think that. But, like, I do want to give Dashner credit because it does feel like it's an appropriate way of, like, writing about trauma because it doesn't just, like, go away one day. Yeah, I totally agree. It definitely feels very, reads is very believable. And so they're sleeping at this place where they think they've been rescued, but Thomas wakes up from a dream because he is slowly beginning to gain more and more memories back, or at least what he thinks are memories, which he has this, he remembers like his mother, who he believed, this woman who he believes to be his mom talking to him. Like, and it sounds like, Thomas's mother allowed him to be taken for the wicked experiments because he was chosen. Like she talks about, you know, you're being chosen for this greater purpose, which I thought was an interesting idea of Thomas being specifically picked out and his parents being around to see it, or at least the mom is meant his mom is mentioned to be there. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping we get more of his memories back because We're starting to get glimpses, and I think it's, like, adding to the mystery of the whole series for sure. Exactly. And if we needed any more proof that this book is absolute horror, he's connecting with Teresa and his brain, and she says that there's something wrong, and all of a sudden he can't sense her anymore. So it feels like half of him is, like, cut off because he's so used to having Teresa in his mind, and then all of a sudden she's gone. Okay, so that's already scary. Then he wakes up. There are a bunch of crazy people staring at them out the windows, screaming, I'm a crank, kill me. And they're just all locked in like this little like bedroom. And there's all the 20 gladers, whatever, that are there. Complete chaos. Then they break their way out of the room and they go into this hallway. Hallway, there's a bunch of dead corpses of all the people that supposedly saved them last night hanging like they've been lynched in the hallway, just hanging from the rafters. So, you know, Absolutely terrifying. Asia, what is this book? I don't know. I didn't really remember any of this. I like, I just didn't remember it as being nearly as gory. But then again, like I said, I knew it was going to be scary. Like it's definitely, these are like, it's a lot, especially like for kids and stuff. If you don't like scary stuff, but I said, I'm very interested to see how they do it in the movie. Cause obviously whatever they did, they're still trying to get, I'm sure a PG 13 rating. So like, obviously they can't show too much. But it'll definitely be interesting. But also, I mean, what you didn't mention was when they broke out, all the lights were off. So they had to, like, wander through the room with these dead bodies that they didn't know were there to try to find the light switch. Then they flip the lights on, and then they see all the dead bodies, and it, like, stinks. So it's definitely a lot. Yeah. And then they go over the room that has Teresa's name on it. But then Teresa isn't in her room. There's a boy. Instead. Yes, and we find out his name is Eris, who I was thinking must be the betrayer from Group B because we find out right before they go in the room, there's now like a plaque that says Teresa Agnes. We find out her last name, 
And it says that she is the betrayer. Like, that's her label. And whatever her number is, like, in group A or something. But again, we've had this reference that there must be some other group. So I'm thinking, well, this boy must be from the other group. And maybe he was the only boy with a group of girls, which we do find out that is what it is. Group B is a bunch of girls, and Eris was the only boy, while Teresa obviously was the only girl with the Gladers, group A. And we find out that in that within that group, there was the same dynamic between Thomas and Teresa. So Eris is basically... He's Teresa. He's, he's Teresa of their group. Eris is basically Teresa, which somebody named Beth killed Rachel, who was Eris's best friend. So in that case, this Beth person was supposed to be Galley, and Rachel is Thomas, because Thomas was supposed to be killed by Galley. But Chuck obviously jumped in front of him and saved him from that. So it's pretty much identical, just with the, um, with the sexist switch. Yeah, so like it's super freaky because... The experiment is the same, and the last two people, so this is Rachel Harris, are just like Teresa Thomas in that they have this telepathy and this, like, stronger-than-friendship connection very quickly. Yeah. And then, like, they come out of Harris's room. It's been swapped. Like, the plaque has been swapped. So the plaque before said Teresa was... But the betrayer, and she's property of Wicked. Now the plaque says Eris, um, and but he is B one. So or, Teresa was A one. He's B one because he's Group B, and his title is the partner. So we don't even know if necessarily the groups are the same because Teresa and Eris are the same role, but she's the betrayer and he's the partner. And then the boys. So they're not the exact same. Role. Exactly. And then the boys all have labels as well. Some of them don't get special names. Pitiful. Basically the ones that Thomas is like, I don't know what your name is. But our main characters, Minho is A7, the leader. Newt is A5, the glue. And of course, just for some drama, A2 is Thomas. And his title is To Be Killed by Group B. Yes. So again, the plot thickens. (laughs) More things to look forward to further down the line but i would just like to note that eris says that about 30 of their group survived while the boys the gladers only have 20 so clear proof that girls are better than boys because more of them survived i mean i'm more than willing to agree with you i think that's totally valid yeah so yeah i just thought that was funny but then thomas so thomas like we said he loses connection with Teresa, and he's like yelling out into the like mental void and he is able to connect with her briefly but she doesn't remember him and says that she'll kill him if he tries to contact her again like through the telepathy so they must the creators or wicked must have wiped her memory or they're at least controlling her again but we don't really know what's happened to her again horror like he's developed this ability to like co-inhabitate, co-inhabit his mind, this person, and like it's cut off, and then he gets it back, and it's no longer the same. Like so scary. And then again, like we already said, the plaques change, but the rooms change. So there were these like twenty dead bodies. Now they're gone. The windows are gone, and then a guy shows up. After they've been starving for three days. So then they're just like living in this room complex, like three room apartment with no food. So they're hungry. And then one day food and a guy shows up and he's like hidden behind a glass wall. This book is so freaky. Like it's maybe a horror isn't the right word, but it's a thriller. I mean, it's clearly it's like a sci-fi thriller is what I would describe it as. Because it definitely has the thrilling aspects of like the monsters and like the the like zombie like people with the disease and dead bodies hanging, but it's definitely, like, it's definitely, like, I don't know, it's giving, like, plot twists and kind of, like, the, this man who shows up behind the glass, they call him the rat man, and basically he's kind of, like, everything that you think is real isn't real, or your mind can be playing tricks on you, we can be playing tricks on you, so it's kind of, like, you can't really believe anything, which, I don't know, again, I kind of like to be disoriented in books, because as long as it's resolved by the end, like, it's a fun journey, 
So, I mean, that's why I love, like, murder mysteries and stuff like that. Like, I like plot twists and, like, you don't know what's going on or you don't know what's going to happen, which, again, is why I'm saying I'm really enjoying reading these books because I am assuming that it is going to be resolved very well, which is something that, um, I don't know, it's just really nice to read. But anyway, so based on what the rat man tells them, the hanging dead bodies and the cranks yelling at the windows... That could have all been sort of simulation or like maybe a projection and like maybe it wasn't actually really there. But like they they talk about dead bodies like they ran into dead bodies like they touched them. So like I, I don't know like were they really there? Did people come in and move them while they were inside the other room? There's really no way of knowing which hopefully we'll get maybe not exact answers like that but just more of an explanation of what is possible for Wicked later on. Well, he did say that they have, like, implants in them. Like, they can control them, and they can control what they sense and think, what they sense and feel and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I mean, I believe that Wicked has a tech. And again, not to Divergent Bash, but it's explained here, so I believe that it's real. Because we've been told that there's this supernatural, super scientific explanation, you know? Well, yeah, especially, I mean, when you think of... We got with the Grievers, that's obviously some kind of advanced technology that they were able to create these monsters or something that also, like, didn't kill Galley because they just brought Galley back and they were controlling him. So, like, it's clear, yes, it has been set up that there is some kind of mind control, like, there's different aspects that it's, yeah, it's clearly been introduced. So that's where it's like, okay, that's plausible in this story that that is what could be happening. So, yeah, to me, that's why it makes sense. But we also find out, or the Ratman tells them that Wicked has infected all of the Gladers with a flare to give them a real incentive to survive the Scorch Trials, where he says that they'll receive the cure at the end. Which, of course, the question is, will they actually receive the cure? And also, are they have they actually been infected? Because obviously, they don't really know anything about the flare. They only know what they've been told because their memories have been wiped, so they have no knowledge. And obviously, no one's feeling sick. Like, they feel fine, but... It's been told that the flare, it takes a while for it to, like, develop and, like, actually make you go crazy and turn into, like, a full-fledged crank. Yeah. As soon as he said that they're going to get the cure at the end, I was like, yeah, I don't believe that. Or I just don't believe it's going to be as simple as all that. Because, one, we don't have clarity on what the whole cure situation is. We got that memo as the epilogue last book where Wicked says that they... They said that, like, they have the, that they know there's something about the cure in the Andes and that some people have access to treatment, but because they're super wealthy, but, like, it kind of almost sounded like they didn't have the cure yet and these kids that they were testing were going to be the only ones who were going to be able to get to the cure. Like, it didn't really make a lot of sense. So, one, also it just seems like an elaborate thing to, like, figure out a couple people who are going to get the cure. If you already have access to the cure, why wouldn't you just be selling it to the highest bidder? Like, I don't know. It just feels, the way he explains it is too easy. I think that they don't have access to the cure. Like, the cure is past the scorch, which, like, no one's willing to go through there because you'll catch the flare. You could also die of the actual sun flares and, like, the crazy storms and everything. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying that sounds, is what we felt, like, after the last book. Like, that's how it sounded. But the way he talks them about it, it's like, you guys make it, you get the f- cure, and, like, we don't even know what the cure is. Like, we don't, like, it just feels way too easy the way he describes it. I mean, of course, I know the trial is going to be hard, but, like, I just don't believe that we can trust this man. I definitely agree with you there. I, I have I really don't remember how the book ends or anything, and obviously I haven't read the last book. But my guess or theory, I guess, would be that... I don't necessarily think that the cure is waiting for them. I think that they, maybe once they get to where they need to go, there is going to be a, like, third and final trial experiment test where either they make the cure or they have to, like, mine the cure. Like, there's some extra step of why they need these specific people to get it. Like, I feel like getting past the score trial, since we are going to have a whole third book, I feel like there has to be another test or something else, some other obstacle that they're going to have to face. Before, yeah, they're just handed a cure for the flare. Or the flare isn't the biggest issue Mm -hmm. in the world. Like, there's something else they're going to have to face. I mean, the last book, I think, is called The Death Cure. So it's, I'm assuming it has something to do with the cure, though. Yeah, and you brought up a point that I don't even know if 
I hadn't thought of, to be perfectly honest, is like maybe they aren't even infected. Like I was like infecting them and telling them they're infected is a really good incentive to get them to do it. But. Oh, for sure. I was just thinking that it would be because especially we as the reader and them as the characters, we don't really know that much about the flare. We only know what we've been told and everything we've been told is from Wicked. And obviously said we can't necessarily believe everything Wicked says. Because think about it. The rescuers told Teresa and Thomas about what the flare was and explained it to them. That could have just. It could have been something else. Like, so I, that's why I'm just saying, like, and we haven't actually seen again, any. Gen- why I like the book. Anything's up for grabs. And we haven't like, seen any genuine crazy people yet either. Like the people that were projections, they went away. And then the people that they've met in the village so far, I know this is jumping ahead a little bit. None of them seem crazy yet. Like, and again, even it was only the one lady who attacked. But apparently Thomas. she was part of the plan, too. In the memo. Yeah, she could have been. So, like, we don't know how much. But, so, I think that telling them they have the flair is a really good incentive. And then telling them you're just going to kill them either way if they stay, also a very good incentive. So. Oh, yeah. I guess the boy, like, I, I guess if I was in the same situation as the boys, though I would not trust any of this information, I would also go for it. Like, I would go through the flat trans. I mean, again, they, they basically come to the point, like, they have no choice. Like, they have to do what they say because... They have, they, they can't really, like, I think Thomas talks about it a lot too. He's like, he doesn't want to hope for anything, but like, what else do they have to do except be like their monkeys or like, just be the sheep that are following the herd? Like, what else can they do? They have no other options. All their, their only thing is that's motivating them is that they're trying to survive. And if they're telling them that this is the way to survive, then that's your only choice. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. Well, then they do elect Minho as their leader, and he's acting a tad aggressive. Just should mention that because it's definitely hinted as being important. And they kind of do that because his tattoo says he's the leader. And again, while I think that Minho has great leadership qualities, blah, 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 I would, you know, I was reading this and they're like, look what it says on his neck. And I'm like, okay, the neck tattoos given to them by Wicked, we're really just going to trust these strangers that, like, they have, you know, the best plan and the best interests of these boys at heart. Like, I don't know, I just thought it was really funny that they, on the one hand, can be so suspicious of Wicked, and on the other hand, be like, well, they said he's the leader, so maybe he should be the leader. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense for Minho to be the leader, because obviously Albi was their leader before, and he's dead. And Newt, to me, like, serves better as, like, a second-in-command, because he's, like, more calm. But I think Minho... I mean, obviously, Thomas is a great leader, too, but I think Thomas just serves, is gonna is clearly going to serve a bigger purpose, and so I don't think he's necessarily needs to worry about leading, especially when I feel like Minho has, like, they definitely have, like, a good, like, friendship and everything, so I feel like Minho's not going to be like, oh, like, like, Thomas, I feel like, has a say, too. Oh, but yeah. I think it's good to have Minho, who's been there for longer, to be, like, the face of the leadership, if that makes sense. Yeah. He's he's definitely got seniority, which I think matters. And apparently, you know, they just keep running. So, like, you know. And Minho was a runner before. He was the head runner, which genuinely feels like the role in the Glade that was the most best preparation for the Scorch trial. Yeah. And it makes sense, too. Minho, like, as they're traveling Minho's always in the front Thomas is always in the back like it just makes sense at least it made sense to me but so then they are leaving wherever they are they go through what's called a flat trans which basically is some kind of like portal is what it seems like and they are immediately presented with more horrors which the first being Getting your head sliced off with some sort of metal sphere in complete darkness. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awful, especially, like, the way Thomas, like, finds the guy. Like, it's a boy, and he starts screaming, and then all of a sudden, his head has been sliced off by a metal sphere, and then Thomas just holds a bloody metal sphere where the guy's head was. Oh, my God, I'm I'm throwing up in my mouth. No, no, no. I think... I think how it was described in the book, which that's maybe why I'm, like, also really enjoying it. Like, how it's described in the book, like, really does give you, like, I don't know. Like, it's thriller. Like, basically what happens is because they're running. They're all running. It's pitch black. They can't see anything. And 
All of a sudden, this kid starts, like, screaming bloody murder, goes down, and Thomas, who's clearly been presented multiple times as he has very much, like, he's a savior, like, he dives into action without thinking, like, he wants to save people, very, like, brave and courageous. So he immediately, like, runs forward to this kid to try and help him. And it says, like, you know, he's trying to hold this kid down who's, like, basically, like, flailing around, freaking out, screaming, but because it's obviously dark, Thomas can't see, so, like, he has no idea what's wrong. And he's saying, like, what's going on? What's wrong? And the kid's not responding. He's just screaming, like, bloody murder. And finally, Thomas is able to, like, pin him down to, like, keep him still. And when he reaches to, like, touch his face, he's like, there was no head, no neck, no hair, no face. He's like, it was just a cool metal ball. Like, I don't know. It just, like, gives you chills. You're like, oh, my God, what do you mean? Because think about it. It's, like, in the dark. Like, imagine that's so scary. And then the ball, like, rolls away. And then, like, New and Mino are like, what's going on? What happened? And they're like, I don't know. They're like, where his head was, there was, like, a metal ball. And they're like, what? And then they, like, find the metal ball. But it was just, like, again, very horror movie. But it gets worse because when they finally get to the end of this long tunnel, basically they get to the tunnel, they go up a whole bunch of stairs, they finally have broken up to the surface. So they open up the door and it's like blinding light. And they see on the ceiling that we find out what those balls are, which I think while they're running, like maybe two other people get attacked, like one or two. But then what happens is they look up on the ceiling because now there's light, they can see there's this like teardrop of like metal and it's basically slowly falling and then it falls on one of the boys and it basically just attaches to the victim's head and eats like the flesh until it cuts through the neck which again Thomas being like the little savior he jumps on the kid and is actually able to help him rip it off before it like actually attaches to his head and rips it off so the kid survives but he has like burn marks all his hair is gone like he's quite messed up and it's quite disgusting like they say like there's open wounds oh my god it's nasty so just again horror i just want to remind our dear listeners that asia is the one who picked out these books i did not i'm still very much enjoying it i think it's it's still very exciting and it's still no gorier than again like What's his face? Lyra's polar bear. Just like the guy's like sacrificing his life for him. And then he's like, oh, my final thing to honor him will be to eat him. And he just slices him from head to toe with his fingers. Okay. So we've read plenty of gross books that you've suggested. If you say so. Well, they you said correctly, they have the light. Now they go outside and it's boiling heat because, you know. They're in what is now, what we've been told is the scorch. And it's basically, you know, desolate wasteland. And they're running, they're protecting themselves. You know, they're trying to like make it through. I'm assuming some of them are dropping like flies due to dehydration. Because again, no food, no water, lovely. And then they, two people like. They have food and water. They do. Remember they brought food. But they have very little, and they're, they're trying to conserve it because they don't know how long. Because apparently they're just going to walk 100 miles. But I don't think miles. anybody drops dead while they're on their way. Nobody drops dead from thirst or anything. I guess it happens only in the storm. It's only in the storm that a whole bunch of people die. Okay, sorry. I just assumed. Because to me, the walking and the heat, that would be what would kill me. I would just be like, take me now. I, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and I like to walk, but like, no. Like... <laughs> Holding a plastic Take sheet over now. my head. This like, is it. You this know, is the, end. the metal balls, the cranks, the dead bodies, the heat. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I give up. I'm... That's my 13th reason. I can't do it. <laughs> Can you say that's my 13th reason? Yeah, that's like. I think it's Asia's turn to get canceled. It is Asia's turn to get canceled. You cannot say that's my 13th reason. Yes, it is. That's like a meme. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we were all saying that. Like, um, when when that show came out, we were all were like, when we would be dramatic about things, we would definitely text each other and be like, be like that would be my thirteenth reason. Right no, we there. would like say like someone who annoyed us and be like, dear, I don't know, Alyssa, welcome to your tape. Remember? Okay, well, you did that. I would never do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I would never say that to said. the person's face, but. Anyway, sorry. Um, 
Okay, we're not canceling Asia over that. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's um, a pop culture reference to the hit no, book. No, no, no. And we don't TV have to explain show. what it is. People can look it up. We're not explaining it. <laughs> okay. Also on Throwback Payback, we're now assigning homework. Anyway, the running in the heat, lovely. And then two cranks who are legit like running, like speed running around show up and they're like circling them like panthers and they're like, what do you want? Blah, 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 blah. And then these two cranks tell them that the other group was going to kill them and then they just run off. Like super ominous. And the boys are like, I wonder what we should do. Guess we keep walking. <laughs> um, yeah, I honestly kind of forgot that even <laughs> happened because it was just so brief and weird and random. But then pretty much right after that, Thomas, well, before we get to this, as they're like walking, now all of a sudden they can hear like this female voice, like just screaming, just like moaning in pain, but it's like amplified. So there must be some sort of speaker system because there's just no way that somebody could be like yelling from that, like from way far away. Like they have no idea where it's coming from. They're outside. They are outside. So like the fact that there's a speaker system, like indicator, something is like, because again, well, yeah, how would you hear yeah, this person clear. screaming that you cannot see? Like they're outside yeah, in what like is it's a desert. Being like, it sounds like she's being tortured or something like it's clear, like moans of pain. And so then they finally like come upon this like tiny little structure, like shack building, something like that. Like a hut. And as soon as they like come across it, the moaning immediately cuts off. And then a, f- a figure that looks like a girl with like long hair is standing there like, but in shadow. So I don't know. They're like a couple hundred feet away. And Thomas is like, this has to be Teresa. Like he just knows. And I was like, how did Teresa get all the way out here? But I guess they're about to find out because Thomas is like, I'll go check it out. It could be a trap. So we shouldn't all go over there. So he goes alone to this girl and it does end up being Teresa who either, I don't really think that she was the one screaming because Thomas says that he sees that there's like a speaker. I think it was a recording, honestly. And whether maybe those were Teresa's screams from a previous point, but it was almost like she paused the tape to step out or if there was somebody else there or somewhere, they turned it off from somewhere else. And for all we know, we don't even know if it was really Teresa there. I mean, again, if we want to get real meta, we think it was really Teresa there, but it could be a wicked projection. Well, yes. Thomas recognizes that Teresa as Teresa, but yes, let's say it's not. It could also like be a projection. Who knows? But it's Teresa, and Thomas knows that he's, like, he was expecting her to be just as dirty as he was, like, all sweaty. But she's perfectly clean, like, probably freshly showered, hair brushed, looking nice. spa day. What did you say? I said a little spa day. A little spa day. And at first, she's kind of, like, acting afraid of Thomas, like, to not, she's like, don't come any closer. And he's like, what's going on? He's like, I care about you. We just want to know what happened. And Stop playing again, hard to get. It's happening between us. And it's clear, like, that, like, Teresa is being controlled or something. But then we get a little bit of romance because she just runs forward out of nowhere, which I thought she was going to, like, choke him and we were going to get, like, a PETA moment when he attacks Katniss. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's not what happens. That's happened. what I thought we were going to get, too. That's not what happens. She runs up and, like, embraces him and then they kiss. And then right after that, she's like, you have to run. It's a trap. And then... He Thomas is like, it takes, you know, all of his willpower to run away from her, blah, blah, blah. So basically he runs away and tells all the gladers to like follow him, but like with no explanation, and then they just run away. And again, was this really Teresa? And if it was, like, she's if it is, she's clearly being controlled, and she was like able to break out of it for a second and like give Thomas this warning. Unless it wasn't a real warning and that's what she was actually supposed to do. Because remember, she was labeled as the betrayer. And we obviously, has she betrayed them already? Will she betray them soon? So many questions. But that was the last we see of Teresa for the rest of the reading. Yeah, it was dramatic. And again, like, if we want to take this to the real meta level, which, you know, I'm more than happy to do. We literally don't know if it's really her or whether, like, we just don't know any of it. Which is, like, kind of mind-blowing. But... Again, not to divergent bash, but because we've been set up a world where we believe that anything is possible, like anything is within the realm of what Wicked would put these kids through, I'm willing to believe any outcome, you know? Yeah. Because we've been given context that that's what this world is, or could be at least. 
I'm generally, of course, reading it as, yes, that was Teresa. And, of course, she was put up to it to some extent. But, like, that was still her. But. I kind of think, yeah, I also agree. I think that it really was Teresa. But I do think that her giving the warning might have been part of the plan. Like, I feel like. Because sure. it could have gotten, it could have gotten him to trust her more. Yeah. You know what I and mean? Be, like, and so then if they come across her, her again, her yeah. like, he'll trust her. Absolutely. Yeah, so for me, at least, like, I thought that if she, yeah, like, I think that her breaking out would work really well for it being her, like, being a double agent, because it made him, like, really impressed. He's like, she's stronger than Galley, she fought it, like, Galley just ends up killing Chuck, but, like, she was able to withstand it, which, if, again, if it's part of Wicked's, like, double-cross plan, then, like, that would really help endear Teresa to him even more. Also, I expect the kissing probably doesn't hurt. <laughs> yes. And then, so once again, we're running like lunatics. Just running and running and running. And, you know, just reading them, all the running makes me tired. Like, why do we always read books with characters running so much? Like, why are in these dystopian novels, do they have to run so much? I mean, to be fair, this book series is called The Maze Runner. So I feel like it's, you know... It shouldn't be a surprise, but I agree. It, it's exhausting to hear what they're running. Like, if you were not a cross-country runner, you would have already been dead. I they mean, would Katniss have needed you out. running all the time. All the time. And the giver, um, Maddie, running all the time as the messenger. Then what did we read next? And uh, Jonas. Jonas, when he rode his bike, like, all the way to another yeah. town. And who else? Obviously, Lina, running, messenger, just running around town delivering text messages. What else are we? Divergent? They're running and catching, jumping on trains all the time. Like, Yeah, they're running, jumping on trains, running up and down the stairs. Like, you really yeah, have you to be, like, be an athlete. An athlete. An Olympic sur- athlete. Survive in a dystopia. Yeah, I wouldn't make it. I mean, like Charles said, he, the heat would take him... Uh, the running, that would kill me for sure. There's no way. I mean, the heat would, yeah, the com- the combination of the two for sure drop dead. Yeah. So then while they're running through the desert, they end up running through this super crazy storm, which, well, I was reading this, I was just thinking about, you know, this is definitely what our future looks like with climate change. <laughs> and... It was just quite an intense storm. We get some more gore. A couple of the kids get caught on fire by lightning. They literally get struck by lightning and, like, catch on fire, including Minho. And, yeah, I, you know, the boys do wonder. They're like, I wonder if the storm was controlled by Wicked. Like, it was a really, really hefty storm. But, you know, we also have been given sort of the impression that the scorch exists because of climate change, because of human destruction so so it could be that instead but basically a lot of them die in the storm so by the time they get into like this village and they get into a building and they fall asleep and they wake up and there are only 11 gladers left so they left the glade with they started the glade at like 50 about 40 of them went into the battle with the grievers only 20 plus made it through that. And now 10, I mean, 11 of them have made it to this house in the Scorch. And I want to say that it's 11, including Eris, who's not actually one of the Gladers. Like, they're kind of treating him as part of their community now. But but he's not even, he's not from the original Group A. Correct. And then this is where, for being the leader, Minho can be kind of hot-headed sometimes. Because they come into this, like, destroyed town and a crazy, creepy, and seemingly violent guy named Jorge tells them that he's in charge. He's the crank in charge. And Minho gets a little fighty with him, which is pretty dumb when he's, because he's basically like, there's, you know, 11 of us and only one of you. And it's kind of, it's quite dumb to assume that this Jorge man is alone when they're in unknown territory and they know that it's crank territory. So, and it, there does end up being a whole group of cranks and they're basically about to fight to the death. But then Thomas is able to have like a one-on-one meeting with Jorge and he basically talks some sense into him and talks him out of killing them 
and killing Minho. Yeah, it just just always kind of feels like Thomas is solving all of the problems, always. Like, I just feel like, I mean, I know he's special. I, I expect in a book for our protagonist to be special, or at least to be interesting, because, or else you don't have a book. But, like, okay, except for when he didn't figure out push means push a button. He's, like, <laughs> way, way, way smart. And he's able to, like, literally convince Jorge not to, like, kill everybody. And... <laughs> I just want to mention in their one-on-one conversation, Jorge, the way he talks is, like, all dramatic. And uh, he's like, my condition is that Minho dies. And Thomas is like, not going to agree to that, dude. And Jorge's like, but he made me angry. And I was like, he literally says, but he made me angry. And I was like, that sounds like a child. Like, he made me angry. He's got to die. And, like, I don't know. I just thought it was really funny because he's like, he made me angry. And I was like... Okay, Jorge, calm down. Yeah, I think he's just getting a little big for his britches. Like, he's just thinking, because he's the one in charge, he's like, just whatever I say goes kind of thing. You know what Jorge could use? Some therapy. (laughs) Just a little bit of therapy. He made me angry. Some anger management. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Andy Bernard. But, so Thomas, like I said, we just saved the day. And Jorge, in this one-on-one, he also, more importantly, he seems to recognize Thomas, which kind of gets, like, glossed over, but feels like that could be important down the line. And he agrees to team up with them. So he and Brenda, who's another one of the cranks in this village, they're going to go through the Scorch trial with the Claters because there's a chance that maybe if they make it to the end, too, they can also be cured. So the plan is now... the. 11 gladers, including Eris, plus Jorge and Brenda are going to, like, sneak their way through this village to continue north. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, that's right. And I will say right off the bat, I don't really like Brenda. She seems very untrustworthy. And I will note that Jorge, because when he's like, oh, we'll do this, he's like, I'm only going to bring one other person. Brenda, he's like, she's super smart, like, intelligent, which I don't know, like, maybe she's working for Wicked. like. I don't know. She just doesn't seem trustworthy at all. I mean, I like her. I think it's really cool that she, like, you know, she's got the knife. She's, like, all powerful. You know, I love a, I love a strong female lead. But she's absolutely, undoubtedly suspicious. <laughs> like, she's all flirty with Thomas. And, you know, maybe Thomas is attractive, but, like, you know, he can't be looking that hot after, you know, walking through the desert, being attacked by lightning. Well, it's also just, like, I mean... What you were going to say, she's like, you seem like the leader type is what she tells him. It just seems like she's identified who she thinks is the leader. So she's like, oh, I'm going to cozy up with the biggest guy here, like the most important person. So like that just seems really suspicious, like sus, like, yeah. I mean, she's not wrong. She says he's the leader type. And I'm like, honestly, Thomas really is the leader of this group. Like he's the shadow leader. But, you know, but what, you know. So that, but you're absolutely right. It is a little red flaggy of her to like just go for, you know, big power center. And then even more of a red flag is an explosion goes off. And I think they said it was Bradley or someone like that, who they think set off this explosion. So they all like separate. It's one of the other cranks that was like in their group. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? We should just leave without everyone else. Just the two of us. And he's like, not going to happen, sis. That's what I'm saying. Like, that to me is, like, just clear. That to me is, like, the biggest red flag right there. Because, first of all, she doesn't know Thomas at all. Or at least that's what we're assuming. She doesn't know who Thomas is. She doesn't know anything about him. Yeah. Obviously, she doesn't have a connection to the other Gladers. But we would think that she'd have some sort of connection with Jorge since he considered her to be the only person he'd want to take with her. And he thinks she's so intelligent. So the fact that she would drop him so quickly for this stranger, like, just seems like she has to like either have other information or know something else. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with well, you. I don't know. And also she says gladers, even though Thomas has never used that word around her. So, and at this point, okay, so like we've gotten plenty of red flags with this girl. And so at this point, my theories are either that she works for Wicked and it's part of the trials, like it would definitely be like a mind trick trial, or which I thought of later was maybe She's part of Group B that's trying to kill Thomas. I also thought she could have been part of Group B. 
Because she also says she doesn't know the other cranks. So she could be, like, a more recent addition to Cranktown. Yeah, like, maybe she got separated from the group, and so she, like, knows who Thomas is, and she's, like, or maybe she was, like, ousted from the group for some reason, so she thinks if she brings Thomas to them, they'll accept her because she knows that's who they're supposed to kill. But I have... I do not remember at all, so I don't know. But I just know, I just feel like there's no way that she's completely genuine. Like, there has to be something else going on with her. Like, she has to be lying about something. That I completely agree with. And also, Thomas needs to calm down with his all liking of Brenda because he hasn't even thought about Teresa. And they, like, just made out. And he's talking about their special connection with the tele- with the telepathy. And he's just completely forgotten her, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, he seems a little little horny. Like, he's just, like, kissing Teresa, and then he's like, I like it when Brenda touches my chest. And I'm like, oh, my God, calm like, down. <laughs> it was so cringy to it read, was... which at least Thomas, like, midway through, he kind of starts to realize that he's like, wait, this is weird. He does remember Teresa, and then he's like, he feels guilty. And then he also, and then he's like, all my friends are, like, separated from me, and I'm thinking about this girl touching my chest. Like, I need to... Take him a step back and like He's focus like, on the task. Let me get my priorities straight. Exactly. So like he does, he does have that realization, but it is just like there were a couple pages where he's like, "Oh, like my heart sped up," or "Oh, I can feel where she touched Ooh. me," and I'm like, "Why are we? What's going Ooh. on?" Puke, puke. But then we do end on a cliffhanger because Thomas and Brenda have stumbled upon like a true crank, and he's missing an eye, and he doesn't have a nose. So like. A zombie, basically, and that's how the chapter ends. Yeah, you know, you know our podcast. We love to finish a reading on a big dramatic cliffhanger. Do you have any other final thoughts uh, on this reading, Asia? So I did have one final thought that I mentioned, like, way at the beginning of the episode about how when Thomas got that first memory of his mom saying something about him being chosen, I, like, made the connection later on in the reading just thinking about it, how... If we remember, the wicked people told them that, or I don't think the wicked people told them, when Thomas first got his memories back after going through the changing, he said that how they were all orphans and that their names aren't even their names. Like, they were given names, like, just based off of scientists. So if Thomas's memory is him, his mom saying that he was, like, chosen by wicked and taken, then he wouldn't have been an orphan. Which, I mean, maybe that was her predicting that he was going to be taken and she dies soon after or something. But, like, that just seems like it sounds more like Thomas was specifically chosen as opposed to maybe the other people were they went, like, they just rounded up the orphans and that the ones that, like, did well got to stay. But it seems like Thomas was, like, specifically picked. Yeah. And he does. That was my final thought, too, is, like, we did get another memory that we didn't mention where Thomas and Teresa are kids. They're, like, younger kids. And they're trying to practice their telepathy. And, of course, because girls are better than boys, she's able to do the telepathy much sooner. And that, like, and she, like, basically force challenges him to, like, get his act together so that he can do it, too. And then that's, like, but they're going by Thomas and Teresa at that point. So that could be after they've already been taken in by Wicked, or it could be that those are their names the whole time. Which also I have something too because I did mention earlier Teresa. They say her last name, like said on the plaque, is that her last name was Agnes. And Thomas is like, "What famous scientist is named Teresa Agnes?" Is there a famous scientist named Teresa Agnes? I tried looking it up. I wouldn't look it up because it comes up the Maze Runner stuff. So I tried looking it up and it was just like spoilers. So I was like, I can't even look it up. So we can look it up at the end of the series because her character comes up and it's like the website. So I don't know if there is a scientist. If anyone out there knows, send us an email or DM us to let us know. But I do think that that means something because it could mean that Teresa and Thomas, that that's their real names because they were specifically chosen as kids to like be a part of this. And everyone else was like taken away as orphans. Like I think that that could be something because I just, I feel like her last name being mentioned has to be important. Yeah. Especially since we haven't gotten anyone else's. Especially because I feel like the other characters that we like, like they say like Thomas, Edison, like New for Isaac Newton, like I just think those are way more obvious, which obviously there's tons of scientists out there. We're not going to know all of them, but I did try to Google it and it just was the Maze Runner character. Okay. I just did a quick Google search. 
And I did Teresa Agnes Scientist, and it still only popped up Maze Runner stuff. I tried to, like, avert my eyes really quickly. But, um... Yeah, that's what happened when I looked it up. So I was also, like, obviously if there was a famous scientist, that would have been the... Like, it would have at least been up there. So I don't think that necessarily that she was named after a scientist, which could point to Thomas also not being... Which I didn't even think about what you just pointed out, that the memory he had of them being kids and them referring to that each other already as Teresa and Thomas, which, I mean, yes, it could have been possible that since they were already part of the experiment, they'd already changed their names. But I definitely think it's a good theory that that's just always been their names because they're clearly special. They are clearly special. And what an optimistic note to end it on. (laughs) So, and hopefully we'll get some answers next week. So we're going to finish this book, The Scorch Trials, for next week. So if you do read along with us, Finish the Maze Runner for next week. And next week we will finish it. Excuse me. We're going to finish the Scorch Trials for next week. And then after that, we'll do two weeks on the final book, The Death Cure. And I believe next week we'll be able to announce what we're reading afterwards. So you definitely don't want to miss week, next week's episode when we finish the Scorch Trials and announce what's next. Yes, exactly. And as always, if you have predictions, theories, or questions, or you just want to keep talking to us about the Maze Runner, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You can head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty and facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on TikTok and Twitter and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at C.E. Sheeland on Twitter, kind of, but I'm at Seashells on Instagram. And remember that because we are a podcast, the way we grow is by getting star reviews and ratings. So give us a star review if you listen to the show. That really helps us on whatever platform you listen on. And give us a, a like, write a re- written review as well. And then, of course, share the podcast with someone you know who might enjoy it. And check out the other amazing podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss us next week. Yep, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the Nerd Party.